Well, I'm without the tie tonight. I know I wore it this morning, but this 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 neck on this shirt is a little bit tight. I had trouble getting getting it buttoned this morning, and I think I hurt my neck a little bit. So I am not doing the tithe tonight. Um, I hope that you'll understand that. Amen. First Corinthians chapter number fifteen. For those of you who don't know, I uh, I had a neck injury about a year ago, and uh, still receiving uh, some some issues from the pain there. And from time to time, I have to do without the tie. This is one of those times. I think I, I think the neck doesn't work because I've put on some weight. Okay, I don't think I, I don't think I'm a 17 and a half anymore. I think I'm more like an 18 in the collar. I'm, I'm hoping that's not the case. Okay, because I can't afford I can't I can't afford can't afford new shirts. Okay, uh, and my wife, she's already. Figuring out how to put me on a more strict diet, <laughs> uh, but tonight I will eat. Amen. Tonight I will eat. First Corinthians chapter number fifteen. First First Corinthians chapter number fifteen. <clears throat> the gospel of Jesus Christ has everything to do with not only my service as a preacher, but with uh, also, every other believer's service for the Lord. All of us, all of our service for the Lord is wrapped up in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you'll hope you'll see that when we get into the scripture tonight. And that's why the Apostle Paul concludes this area of his epistle by emphasizing here uh, that what he has just written to the believers of this church should be met with particular Actions, those actions in verse number 58, when he says, therefore, that's referring back to all that he's just said. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And we know that word, therefore, anytime you see therefore and wherefore, you get you back up and see what it's there for. And uh, here in this verse, it refers to all that Paul has said up to this point regarding the gospel of Jesus Christ, and especially to Christ's victory over death, hell, and the grave by means of his glorious resurrection, verse number 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, therefore, and that's, it's based upon this whole section of what he has had to say. And we know that this chapter begins with Paul's declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's take a look at verses 1 through 4, just as a reminder. And, and verse number, chapter number 15 here, verse number 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, this is the gospel that Paul received. He says that in verse number 3 there, the very first. He says, I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received. This is the same gospel that uh, we're familiar with, that uh, uh, Paul had a head-on collision with 
Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road that forever changed his life. I had my head on collision with the Lord back on February 17th, 1971, 52 years ago at Sterling Baptist Church there in Brunswick, Georgia. I remember. Amen. And I don't know when your head-on collision was with the Lord, but you had a time when you came to realize that you were lost in sin and undone and you needed Christ. And, and if you have not come to that point, then you need to come to that point tonight. You need to believe on the Lord and be saved. Amen. So this is the gospel that Paul received. This is the gospel that Paul preached there in verse number 1. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. He had preached this, and he's writing this letter about what he had previously preached there. And they knew the gospel that he was talking about. And this is the gospel that uh, had been received by these brethren that made up the church at Corinth. He mentions that in, in the last part of verse number 1. He says, Which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. So they stood in a belief of this gospel, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that Paul had shared with them. And that's how he was able to call them beloved brethren in our text. They were beloved brethren because they had the, the like precious faith that we talked about uh, in our Sunday morning services a few weeks back. Uh, the Apostle Peter referred to in Second Peter chapter 1, 1 and verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now we know that one of the great truths of the gospel that should be both understood and preached is that there is but one gospel. There is but one gospel that is truly the gospel. And Paul makes it that very clear here by calling it the gospel. <laughs> there in verse number one, he calls it, he doesn't call it a gospel, he calls it the gospel. And Paul made it clear to the Roman church as well when he wrote to them in Romans 1, verse 16 and 17, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel uh, of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein. In, in, the, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And, and Paul also made it clear to the Galatian church. The Galatian church uh, uh, was uh, starting to uh, be moved. We're, we're talking about not being moved tonight, but they were being moved by the Judaizers They were that were preaching a false gospel. And he says in Galatians 1 verses 6 through 8, he said, I marvel that ye are so soon removed Removed, that's moved, amen. When you're removed, you moved. And I'm removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. Listen, there's only one, amen. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, he says, but, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached to you unto you, let him be accursed. And he mentions that twice, back to back. Uh, that uh, very thing that uh, if anybody preaches any other gospel, let him be accursed. Now there's no good news and any other so-called gospel that dares to either take away from the gospel or adds to the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Now the gospel includes the death of Christ for our sin that was prophesied and typified in the Old Testament Scripture. And that's what Paul mentions there in verse number 3 of our text. He said, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. It was prophesied, it was typified, and it was fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the Gospel also includes the burial and resurrection of Christ that was also prophesied and typified in the Old Testament scriptures there verse number 4 that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures so the chapter begins with Paul's declaration of the gospel and then the bulk of the chapter is spent showing the absolute necessity of the resurrection of uh, of Jesus Christ the, the resurrection of him from the grave and, and of course the need for this is found in verse number 12 now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? So, so Paul, in response, shows the necessity of the resurrection of Christ, especially tying it to our own future resurrection. I'm not going to get into all those verses, but we know, I mean, this is a favorite passage of Scripture, even for me, around the, the, around the time of Easter, uh, or the, the, what I like to call the, the Resurrection Sunday. And what we see that it talks about His resurrection. He did indeed arise from the grave, and because He arose, we shall also arise. And so the necessity of the resurrection is tied to our own future uh, resurrection. And the entirety of this chapter and all that it covers is concluded in the two verses that we want to look at. And really we're just going we're gonna to focus on the, the last verse. But the, these two verses, first of all, verse 57, and where it, where it says, though, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We, we should lift both our hearts and our voices uh, in thanks to God which giveth us the victory. Amen? I mean, we, we have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, giveth us vic- oh, give us, us what victory <laughs> would be the question. The victory over death, hell, and the grave. That's what the victory he's talking about. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Well, that's not good news, is it? But the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is good news. Amen. That's, that's what you call victory. We have a, a gift. And uh, he giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that victory over death, hell, and the grave came through our Lord Jesus Christ by his gospel, his death for our sins, and his burial showing that he was indeed dead, and then his glorious resurrection three days later, and all of that being done for our justification before a righteous and holy God who judged our sin in his only begotten Son. Uh, Our sin was punished. It justfully punished in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we ought to thank God for that. Amen. Verse number 58 though. Therefore, based upon all this, based upon the gospel of Christ, based upon the victory that it brings, and this is what I want to preach tonight a little bit. Uh, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain, in the Lord. Now, again, that word therefore, we've already seen and shown that the word therefore refers back to all that the Apostle Paul wrote 
in this portion of his letter. And based upon all that comes before this, Paul calls here for action. He calls for action from this church at Corinth and from us. Okay, We are recipients of the letter also. Uh, based upon the truth that he has written here, truth remains. Amen? Truth doesn't change. This is truth that he wrote. It's still true. It'll still be truth after we've left this place. Amen? Uh, it's, it's true. Truth always calls us to an action. And the first action is to believe it. And they believed. Amen? They, they, they had believed. But he's calling them to further action. Not only did he want them to believe, true belief is seen in what comes out of our belief or faith. And that is, it is seen in what it moves us to do. In what it moves us to do. And that is the whole premise of what James uh, wrote in James chapter number 2. And we're not going to turn over there tonight, but James 2 verses 14 through 26. He, he covers the subject well, that, uh, that his faith without works is dead. And, uh, true faith, if it's true faith, it will move us to be some things and to do some things. Amen. And let me share with you three thoughts here tonight. Uh, and then uh, we'll be done, okay? The first thought I want us to, to look at is in light of the truth of the gospel and all that it means, we are to be steadfast and unmovable. I use those two together because they go together, okay? We're to be steadfast and unmovable. These are not two separate thoughts, but one thought expressed by two similar words, and you'll get what I'm saying here in just a moment. The word translated steadfast here was also used by Paul in chapter 7 and verse 37 where he speaks of one that, quote, standeth steadfast in his heart, unquote. And that gives us the sense of what steadfast means. It is the thought of having a stable purpose. Thought of having a stable purpose. In other words, something that will not easily be disturbed because a man's whole bent is behind it. Everything you're about is behind uh, what we're talking about. It primarily denotes being seated and settled. We are to be seated and settled in the gospel and all that the gospel means. And we are to be seated and settled in, in the faith which rests upon the gospel and all that it means. Uh, uh, in 2 Timothy 1, verse 13 and 14, Paul encouraged Timothy to hold fast. Hold fast. And, and 2 Timothy 1, verse 13 and 14, hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. And uh, you know, in order to do that, you have to be settled. He wanted Timothy to be settled and stay settled in the faith. When we are seated and settled, there is no room for doubt. Uh, doubt is one of the enemies of being steadfast and unmovable. Uh, because doubt will move you to a bad place. Amen? It will just move, move you to a bad place in your life. Of course, the, the remedy for doubt is faith. That's plain and simple. Faith comes from the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You say, well, Brother Jerry, in Romans 10, 17, isn't that just talking about the gospel? No, it's talk, talking about faith. It isn't the context of the gospel, but how do you build your faith in the Lord? By the Word. 
by, by, by the Word. We, 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 we come to understand, the more we come to understand the Lord from His Word, the more that we are going to be settled in our faith. Uh, Colossians chapter number 2, verse number 6, I've shared with you many times before that as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. How, how do we receive the Lord Jesus Christ? By grace, through faith. How do we walk? By grace, through faith. Amen. It's, it is it is a uh, we 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 come to grow our faith and we're settled in the, the our faith through the word of God. And there's an underlining of this thought in that next word, unmovable. Unmovable means firm and immovable. Uh, in other words, what we sang a while ago, I shall not be moved. <laughs> Amen. Uh, the attitude of being steadfast is is in being firm and immovable. Now, the Corinthians were prone to being fickle. They just were. They were prone to being fickle and shifting from one position to another without reason. Um, I don't know what to call that where you come from, but where I come from, they call that being wishy-washy. Amen? And uh, the Lord don't want us to be wishy-washy. We're rather to be steadfast in the truth and therefore unmovable. If we are truly, listen, and, and, and I know it sounds like circular reasoning, but that's what it is, okay? If we are truly steadfast, then we will be unmovable. If we are unmovable, then we are steadfast. Get that? I'm going to say that again. If we're truly steadfast, then we will be unmovable. And if we are unmovable, then we are steadfast. So being steadfast establishes our position. Being unmovable causes us to hold our position in its steadfastness. And uh, now before we move on, I want to mention two more enemies of our steadfastness. I mentioned doubt. Don't forget doubt is an enemy. Uh, if you begin having doubts, you're going to be moved from your steadfastness. Second is apostasy. Apostasy. Scripture is abundantly clear that in these last days, times of apostasy are going to come. And sadly, uh, when that happens, some start moving from the faith and others soon join them and we are not supposed to be in that number. We're to know what we believe, why we believe it, and we're, not, we're to stand steadfast in that and not move from that. Um, Remember, uh, uh, Paul uh, wrote to uh, Timothy about he made two whole chapters, really, uh, chapter three and four of Second Timothy, the three and four, bef- right before the apostle Paul was uh, was going to be dead. He wasn't going to be around anymore, and he, he knew Timothy needed to know these things, and he knew what was going to be coming as far as there were going to be some folks moving away from the faith. And he talked about the perilous times there in chapter number 3. And he talked about uh, folks that were ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. But he also uh, encouraged Timothy, and uh, you remember what my life was like. You know, I, I, I have lived before you. You've fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions. I mean, he... Uh, uh, Timothy knew the Apostle Paul. He knew how steadfast he was. And he, and he warned him uh, that uh, persecution was going to come. He said, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. 
And he said, But evil men, a seducer, shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But he told him, But continue. That's being steadfast. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And we know that in the next chapter, chapter number 4, he encourages him to be uh, to preach the word, to be instant in season and out of season. Amen. That is being steadfast. That's being unmovable. Amen. And he encouraged him that even though uh, he said there was going to come a time, he said in verse number three of chapter four, he says, "For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers." having itching ears. We see them all the time. People come in, they come for a little while, and then they, they're they gone. Uh-huh. Why do they leave? Well, um, sometimes it's they hear something they don't like. Uh-huh. Sometimes it doesn't agree with what they're doing. They can't endure sound doctrine. And that's not always the case, but a lot of times that's what it is. And they shall turn their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. They, they go looking for a fable. They go looking for something to get in their ears tickled. That's what they're looking for. But we know that Paul wanted Timothy to stand fast. Wanted him be, to, to be steadfast in the faith. And, uh, and that's because the uh, apostasy... Uh, would, would would move him. He didn't want him to get caught up in that. Jude 3 tells us, um, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you, these, these readers of Jude's epistle, exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And to do that requires being seated and settled in the faith. And um, so we, we have doubt is the first enemy. Apostasy is another enemy. And then the, the next enemy, and the last one I'll share with you, is persecution, and including bonds and afflictions. Uh, which, by the way, there is an increasing probability and possibility that it may be coming our way very soon. Uh, I really believe that. I'm, I've been preaching this for years, that I believe before... The Lord calls us out here. I know we can be called out any time. But I believe we're going to be suffering a little bit bit of persecution maybe before uh, that time comes. When persecutions come, some are tempted to move from what they once held. We're seeing it happen. People moving in their stance from... You know, uh, the ones they used to preach used to be an abomination. Now because of the pressure that has been placed on them, they're moving away from that and uh, accepting things that used to be an abomination. That, that is, uh, that's being moved. They moved from what they once held and they may, may very well move if they are not steadfast. If we're not steadfast, we are liable to move. Look at, uh, look at Acts chapter number 20 for just a moment. And we see the Apostle Paul here. The, he is about to head to Jerusalem. And uh, he's giving a charge to the uh, elders of the church at Ephesus. And he calls them together. And there's some important things that I want us to see here. Uh, Let's look at verse number 17. We'll we'll read down to verse number 24. 
And it says, And from Miletus uh, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. Paul was steadfast. He was unmovable. They couldn't look at him and say, well, you were one thing yesterday and you were another thing on that day. They couldn't, they couldn't say that to him. He, he, he was consistent. Look at verse 19. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. He endured persecution, but he didn't let it move him, did he? And he says in verse 20, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, he didn't know everything was going to befall him. He said, verse 23 says, Save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none, look at this, verse 24, but none of these things move me. Why? Because he's steadfast. He's unmovable. None of these things move me, neither count I my life dear that, uh, unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. And he did finish that way, man. He told, told Timothy, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And he could clearly say that he did that because that was his testimony. So in light of the truth of the gospel and all that it means, number one, we are to be steadfast and unmovable. Number two, in light of the truth of the gospel and all that it means, we are also to be always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's the second part of our text first tonight, chapter number 15 and verse number 58. And uh, it, it is not enough to just be steadfast and unmovable in one's faith or belief. That's not enough. Uh, again, faith without works is dead. Uh, being steadfast and unmovable in true faith will most assuredly move us to action. Not move us away from, from uh, where we ought to be at, but move us to where we need to be at, and that's action. That's not a contradiction at all. What does it mean to be always abounding in the work of the Lord? Well, 1 Thessalonians 4.1, Furthermore then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. Huh? What the Lord tells us that we should do once we're saved, we're to abound in that. Amen? Always abounding means that we are to be busy in the work of the Lord. And uh, we call it the ministry. The ministry is not just for the preacher. The ministry is for the church. Amen? And uh, Ephesians 2, verse 10, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And of course, Jesus Himself said in John 14, 15, told His disciples, If you love me, keep my commandments. So we find out what Jesus said that we are to do, 
and we do it. That's always abounding. You stay busy. Be busy in the work of the Lord. Also, always abounding means that we are to stay busy in the work of the Lord. Uh, uh, always abounding means that we're to be busy and we're to stay busy. Okay, that's the two, two different things. First one is we're to be busy in the work of the Lord. Second is we're to, to stay busy in the work of the Lord. Uh, and that's the ministry. Colossians 1, verse 28 and 29. Paul said, Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. So uh, the, the, the Lord was working in Paul's life mightily, and that was shown by the work that he continually did as the Lord moved him. Now the third thing we want to see, <clears throat> and the last thing, okay, is this. In light of the truth of the gospel and all that it means, we know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Okay, we know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. I, the, when I was studying this, first thing that came to my mind was Galatians six verse nine and ten. Let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Now listen. We may get weary as we work, but let us, let's not get weary of the work. Amen? Um, if we are always abounding in the work of the Lord, that means, number one, that means there's no room to quit. Now, quit ought not to be in your vocabulary. And that means, number two, that we never uh, get to the time where we can say, I'm done. I, I, I've done my time. Up until we're incapacitated or in the grave. Now, understand, you know, the, the Apostle Paul served right up to his death along with other of the apostles. But I also want you to understand that doesn't mean that our ministry may not change a little bit as we age. Um, because any of us may get to the point where we cannot physically, emotionally, or even mentally do what we've done in the past. I mean, we know what this aging process does to us. I mean, we're getting that to that point in our life. It begins to take a little bit of the zap out of you. It is a fact that none of us are getting any younger. And as we age, we know that we don't have the same stamina that we previously had. And we may get to the point where our physical health and our mental clarity may prevent us from doing certain things that we've been accustomed to doing. Uh, I would like to be like Dr. Lee Robertson. Man, he, you know, he was my pastor for a little while while I was going to school up in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And uh, he preached right on up almost to the month of his, that uh, his, he, I know he preached to the time his wife died and what they were going on the road with him and he died right shortly thereafter. It was just, uh, just a very little, very little part that he wasn't able to do that. And I was, uh, I was amazed that he was still preaching. Uh, but I shouldn't have been because he was steadfast. Amen. He was steadfast. He was unmovable. But listen, and, and the might and empowerment that we still have from the Lord, we are to serve the Lord by the power and the grace that He gives. And He does give grace and power. And, and, and uh, He's got something for each of us to do. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how 
limited that you may think that you are, there's nobody that should be doing nothing. We've been called to serve the Lord. Hebrews chapter number 6. Look at Hebrews chapter number 6. And with this, we'll, uh, we'll read this. I'll say a few more things and we'll be, we'll be done here tonight. Hebrews 6 and verse number 9 uh, through 12 here. Hebrews 6, verse number 9. And the writer of Hebrews says here, But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany accompanies salvation, though we thus speak. He's saying the things that accompany salvation ought to be found in your life. Each of our lives. Amen. Look at verse 10. For God is not unrighteous, to forget your work and labor of love which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience, patience inherit uh, inherit the promises. Amen? Listen, let's, let's make sure that we stay steadfast in what we can do. Steadfast and unmovable and that we're always abounding in the work of the Lord in whatever capacity that He empowers us and leads us to do by His grace and through the leading of His Holy Spirit. Amen? That's what we need to do. So, let me encourage you. Therefore, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. And if you're here tonight without Christ, come to know Him. And then, get busy serving Him. Uh, can't put the cart before the horse. Wouldn't be, wouldn't be wise. Um, but uh, uh, praise the Lord for uh, using vessels like us. Amen. He changes us by His grace. And then he, he chooses to use us. And he, uh, I'm amazed sometimes that uh, he would use somebody like me. You ever get that way sometimes? You look, you look back and say, man, right there in my life, if, that, if, I, if I'd been God, I'd have got rid of me right there. You know? <laughs> um, thank the Lord for His steadfastness in our life. Amen. He's steadfast. Uh, he's, he's not going to move. He's not going to change. Uh, Let's take and be steadfast for Him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You tonight for Your great love for us. We thank You for uh, manifesting uh, Your life to us through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Lord, we just thank You for all that the Gospel does. And these things that we've seen tonight, uh, uh, the reality of what the Gospel does, uh, to makes us to, uh, to, to things we ought to be steadfast in. Lord, help us to, to cling to those things that uh, we ought to cling to and to, to shun the things that we uh, should shun and, and to not be moved. I, I know in these last days there, there's going to be temptation. There's going to be all kinds of pressure that's going to be put to, that would move us away from where we stand. Lord, help that not to be the case for each of us that's here tonight. Help us to remember this message and be steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. We don't, we don't quit and just go hide somewhere. But we're to abound in the work of the Lord. Help us to do that. 
Lord, have your way in this invitation tonight. And Lord, if there's one here without you, help them to come to a saving knowledge of you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand.